Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. There's a lot of news coming out in combat sports this week, and coming up on today's show, I'm going to talk about it, plus I'm going to talk about Poirier McGregor 3, Dan Ige versus the Korean Zombie, and I'll even tell you a T-ball story. But before we get to all that, let's begin with some news that we just got.
Oscar De La Hoya is going to box Vitor Belfort. And I must tell you, I didn't see this coming. And as much as I don't love this era that's a little bit weird and a little bit goofy, I don't hate it as much as I once did. I mean, in, in all truth, I don't. It sounded a little bit more silly than it actually is. Like, it sounded silly to put Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather, but it turned out it wasn't that Logan could stay in there and take care of himself and not leave with injury, as we did not predict. Thought he would have got hurt pretty bad. Right? It was just one of these things. But if I was to guess the opponent for Vitor Belfort, I apologize for Oscar, I wanted to guess Vitor, and I'll tell you why. Oscar is a big believer in weight when it comes to boxing. It's kind of his thing. His thing, he never backs down and he takes on anybody and he's a real competitor and he did it through the amateurs and he did it through the pros, but he is a believer in weight and size. So we're hearing that Oscar was willing to go all the way up to 175 pounds. No higher than that, but 175. And we even heard that when Oscar was trying to get George St. Pierre to be his opponent. We heard that they had agreed on a weight class of 175, but no more. And I think Oscar wanted it to be 170. He conceded and went all the way up to 75. And I bring that to you because Vitor's huge. Vitor's, I bet he walks around 218, 216. How low is he going to go? I mean, the lowest we've ever seen Vitor compete is 185 pounds. And that was hard for him. I think he did some of his better work at 205 pounds. I only bring it to you because this is the one piece of the story that was missing. It was the one detail that was left out. And if you're going to bring in a six-time world boxing champion against an MMA guy, yeah, put him with an MMA guy who's known for having really good hands, which is Vitor Belfort. It's very interesting in that regard. I got to give it to him. I've still got more questions, though. First off, this is on Triller. Golden Boy, who owns a promotion company, is not promoting his own fight. He's going with some other guys that... Are they, do they put on fights? I don't know. I don't know. Is Triller, have they done enough? To, can we call these guys fight guys? The last show that they watched was equal and t music as it was to fights. It was entertainment. It was entertainment that had some boxing built around it. So I have questions. I don't hate the match. I would like to know what weight class they agreed on. Vitor has been chomping at the bit for something to do. He has just been chomping. So there is a small chance that Vitor agreed to a weight class that he can't make. I don't have that information. But if 180, I don't think Vitor can get that low. And Oscar said he's not going to come above 175. So I don't know I don't know all the details on this. I'd like to hear it. I'm interested. I think Oscar showed some some real courage taking this fight. I mean I really do. You know there's a lot on the line there. If you're the boxer calling out an MMA guy to box, same goes the other way, right? When Tony comes over to, to MMA, a lot on the line there for MMA. So I don't hate the match. I can tell you that. It's in September. It's a little bit of time. But that comes back to what I was just speaking about, this weight business. That is enough time for Vitor to get down to whatever he has to get down to. But that part hasn't been disclosed. If you happen to know, fill me in. So to continue the theme of big boxing events, I want to turn the focus to a boxing fight that isn't booked, but I know for a fact it's something we all want to see. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. 
celebrity boxing. I, I'm a little bit fascinated by this because I'm not sold on the idea that you, me, us, the audience, want to see those two guys box. Or at least I'm not sold on the idea that we have to see those guys box. I mean, I, th I feel as though we could see them do anything. If they're interesting and there's an interesting uh, character there and they've got an audience that's willing to come along the journey, I'm not convinced they have to go punch one another. I think they just don't know how else to sell pay-per-views, right? W what else are you going to do on pay-per-view? What else has ever happened on pay-per-view? So they've kind of found their way into boxing. I think it's the celebrity on celebrity. I think that's what the bigger draws. I tried to do a spoof match. You know, I tried to do this the, Shaquille O'Neal versus George St. Pierre, and they were going to grapple. Submission Underground. Just go out there and do jujitsu, which would seem to me would be an easier life than having to get in and punch, right? You can still have conflict. You can still have conflict resolution, but everybody goes home in one piece. I don't know that they have to go out there and box, but I don't know what else to do with it. Like, I also can't imagine seeing something on pay-per-view that's a wrestling match, right? What are we going to do? Freestyle rules, Greco-Roman, folk style? Like, I get where the boxing is just the simplest. Everybody's seen it. There's a model out there that's existed on pay-per-view before. Go get some famous guys. Put some gloves on them. Somebody set up a ring, right? It's one of these things that I would like to know why it's working. And it isn't the punches. It's obviously the story. It's obviously that there's an interest. It's important that two guys work hard for something and that it matters and that embarrassment is on the line. There has to be embarrassment on the line so that when you have the fighter you don't like, that you get to have that great feeling from your dark side at watching them fail at something. Okay, it's one of the things, but it, it has to exist. It has to be a part of the recipe. And as I do look at this... I don't predict that this is long-term. I don't think it's sustainability is necessarily there. So how long are we going to have it? How long do we get to have it? If you're somebody that's positive about it, how long do you have to put up with it? If you're negative on the idea, I think about 12 months. That's my guess. I think you've got about 12 months. But I think that the idea of having well-known people that want to go out and perform under the pay-per-view model, I think that can stick around for a decade. They're just going to have to get away from the punches. Right? Once we see these guys punch each other enough, then we go, we're going to do it again, except now it's kickboxing rules. Okay, great. They're going to go kickbox. Well, instead of doing that, we're going to do uh, exhibition, unsanctioned MMA rules with uh, two three-minute periods. Like, it's going to keep working. It's going to keep on being interesting. I just think that these guys should know what it is that is actually selling. And it's not the left and the right hand. It's not an uppercut and a jab. It's the popularity. So where can you tweak that and where can you take it? I mean, I, I could lay out some matches that would just be massive. You wouldn't have to be a great promoter. If you were going to put Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, you might have the biggest pay-per-view of all time. You might. I mean, would that be bigger than Conor versus Floyd? Maybe. It, it really might be. And now... Take it from this perspective. What if Jake Paul beats Tyron Woodley? If Jake Paul is to beat Tyron Woodley, he is likely to knock Tyron out. I think he's more likely to knock Tyron out than he is to go out there and push the pace and wear T-Wood down. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's more athletic. I don't think he's in better shape, got better footwork. I don't think. So imagine that Jake Paul knocks out Tyron Woodley. That's not equal to the bounce that he got for beating Ben Askren. 
it would be quadruple. It would literally be quadruple if he was to go out and stop T. Wood. If he even beats T. Wood, right, the bounce is going to be impressive. What if, what if? Just imagine, what if he knocks him out? And then we find out he's going to box Diaz. You're talking about a massive, massive event, which appears to be goal number one, two, three, and four. There doesn't appear to be anybody over there that's attempting to build or do something sustainable. It's cash at the barrel today. Straightforward. This is a grab for money. You can get away with that. You can get away with that a couple of times. But I think the idea can live on, just not within boxing. And I'm a little bit confused how they decided to box anyway. I get all the rest of it. Look, I'm willing to work hard. I'm willing to risk it. I want to go on pay-per-view. Money tonight. I'll take the risk. What are we going to do? Well, you know what's on pay-per-view is uh, this sport called boxing. I Go out and wrestle. And by the way, why is the wrestling community not getting behind that? Flo's putting on some fantastic events with the best wrestlers in the world. Could Flo put on an event with just two really well-known guys that aren't masterful wrestlers, that didn't enter the U.S. Open, that don't have... Division One credentials. Could they? I'm asking the question. Nobody's taken the risk to do it. But it would seem to me that the answer is yes, and I do have one piece of evidence, which was Ben Askren against Jordan Burroughs. They did it at Madison Square Garden. They did over a million point three at the gate. I mean, biggest drawing wrestling event, at least dollar-wise, in the history of the sport. They never did it again. And when those things happen, I don't know if they were looking at the popularity of Ben Askren or they were looking at the greatness of Jordan Burroughs or who they gave the credit to. I think they would be wrong to give it to either. I think it was the bringing them together. At that point, Askren was this huge name. He'd been fighting on pay-per-view. He'd won all these different things. He was an Olympian, so he had, the, he had his hardcore base. And then you had Burroughs, who straightforward current badass. Story worked. But would it keep working? Well, what about the idea I threw at you? What would you rather see? Would you rather see what are, I get De La Hoya box Vitor Belfort, or would you rather see Shaquille O'Neal grapple George St. Pierre? I don't think your appetite goes down just because the brutality lessens at all. And I do think the only reason we've even got into celebrity boxing is because they wanted to do something on pay-per-view and boxing has been on pay-per-view before and somebody wasn't creative enough to bring something else to the table. I think those guys should be grappling and I would be curious. What would happen if you put two famous guys and they're going to go wrestle? They're just going to wrestle. High school, right? Collegiate rules. Could you bring in an audience? And then where does that game end? What could I bring in? Hard dunk? Go back to Shaq? One on one. They're going to go play a game of pig. You guys ever play pig? P I G, first one to get there? Well, actually, first one to get to loses. The other guy wins. But you understand my point. Like, if it's just celebrities doing something, it's celebrities that you're interested in, and it is some level of competition, and you're going to have the, the, the press beforehand, and you're going to talk, and you're going to go over the rules, you're going to have the back and forth, all the stuff, all the, the pieces of the ingredients that we do in the fight business anyway, but they don't have to go fight. Would that open the door and more people would come out and do it? I mean, I'm not convinced that that isn't exactly what Ice Cube did when he started that basketball league. He changed the rules. What part of that was basketball? Well, basketball players, and there was a hoop there, and there's a ball, and they're doing it on a court. What do you mean, Chael? That's basketball. Is it? 
Or is that just celebrities with a real skill who you miss seeing going out and doing something? It was their version of celebrity boxing. They were just smart enough to not throw punches at each other. Coming up in a moment, I'll talk about two guys who certainly have been talked about a lot by Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. But first, here's some words about our sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. Spring has sprung, and there's nothing more important than keeping our bodies healthy as we transition from the colder months into the warmer ones. I have lots to juggle between my family and business, visiting with you guys, taking my son to practice, catching up on the podcast and nonstop coverage in the world of combat sports. And sometimes it's hard to practice daily nutritional habits between it all. There is a way and Athletic Greens is the key for me. It's a daily all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for all of it. It's simple, it's easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you like to eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free or gluten free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Connor Poirier, where are you guys' head at on this? What are you guys thinking? Because we don't have a ton of evidence, right? You can't just look at their last fight and go, well, you know, there's a gap there, and uh, Dustin's certainly gotten better, and uh, Connor's not the same. You can't do that, man. There was a lot going into that fight. Connor had been out forever. He touches down one time in January, locks up with Cerrone, but it was, you know, 40 seconds, 20 seconds. I don't think you can count that. I'm talking about ring rust. I'm talking about not being in there. And there's things that happen. This whole ring rust business, there's things that happen. A fight will happen at a speed it will happen at a speed that is different than anything you'll see in practice. That speed will affect you, and you can get used to it. You get a couple of rounds, and boom, you're back used to it. No big deal. But you got to get used to it. And the same thing goes with your energy. When do I put the foot down? When do I pull back? Those are things that you learn on the go, and you adapt and take with you from experiences that you previously had. Connor had to look back so far. I mean, Ray, i got to throw that fight out. i got to throw that fight out. And if anybody has shown us 
through history that they can adapt, that they can learn, and that they can come back against the same opponent and get a different outcome, it's Connor because of the Nate Diaz. That was not an overly competitive fight. Nate whipped his ass. It was fun to watch, but you're misremembering if you think that was overly competitive. Nate walked through him. Walked through him and did it in seven minutes. Connor learned, he adapted, he changed, and he came back. But that fight specifically, I mean, Connor specifically, go back to the Nate Diaz fight part one. Connor hit him with that big left hand. The same shot that would put anybody else down and out. Nate was big enough, he could absorb it. And that rattled Connor. It rattled him. So in the second fight, he didn't use that same energy. He didn't put everything behind that left hand. It, was, it allowed him to extend. He came in very, very leg kick heavy with a game plan. It allowed him to extend. It was close. It was competitive. It was fun as hell to watch, but it was a different outcome. And Connor deserves a level of credit for that. And I only bring that to you because I got to throw their first fight out. It was too damn long ago. I got to throw the second fight out. I do. I, I think that was the worst version of Connor I've ever seen. But I also think it's the worst version of Connor I'm ever going to see. And I also don't think it was Connor's fault. Connor was the one trying to get in there and stay active and get fights. He couldn't get any. They were holding him out trying to do this whole Khabib business part too. I think it, I think it was a miss. I think if we were to all come to the table and be real honest and fair, we made a mistake in 2020 with Connor McGregor. He wanted to fight four times. We gave him one. Come on. So then with the Poirier fight, he was sluggish. But there, there was areas... You have to understand this, because all we're doing is talking, right? The fight's going to be between these boys, but we have a little talk before. I do believe that I'm right that that was the worst version of Connor that we've ever seen. I also think I'm right when I say it's the worst that we're going to see. But we can identify why, right? It was his removal from competition. We can identify why it was his worst version. The other side of this that you cannot miss is even though the loser of the contest seemingly would have more motivation to work hard and prepare and to prepare differently and more things to learn. Even though that seems to be where our mind defaults, the winner of the contest got those same experiences. To make believe that Poirier isn't going to go work on getting better or work to change things just because he got his hand raised is false. Poirier had some major success in that fight and one surprising error, which was the takedown. Connor's hard to take down, man. He's a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass to hold down. Chad Mendez got him down, had a harder time holding him there. Poirier did both. And I don't think anybody was more surprised than Poirier because that takedown attempt was bad. That was not Poirier's best takedown. Poirier was trying to offer Connor something to, to make Connor think and, and worry and, and know a, a threat existed. When they actually went down to the canvas, nobody looked more surprised than Poirier himself. So I think that that's going to be a part of Poirier's plan coming to this third fight. I think Poirier is going to do everything and, and make everybody believe, including Connor, that this is going to be a shootout. And I think Poirier is going to, whether he succeeds or not, I think he's going to go for those takedowns. And if he can get it and he can keep him there and he can get some groundwork, you're going to have a very different fight than what you're preparing for if you're Team McGregor. What, what you do need to understand and the point I'm really trying to push on you guys is it goes both ways. It doesn't just, okay, everything's great for Connor. No, Poirier had those same experiences. Poirier felt those same things. Poirier gained a confidence because he ate that left hand. Left hand that he wasn't sure he could eat. Left hand that he did not handle the first time they fought. So he's going to have a little bit different confidence. But mark my words and keep an eye on this. 
Poirier's going to come out and he's going to try, whether he succeeds or not, he's going to try to take Connor down. And if he does get him there, it's going to be rinse and repeat, which is going to be a very different fight than what we think we're getting ready to see. So Conor McGregor had the most meteoric rise in MMA that we've ever seen. Another guy whose stock just keeps on rising, Israel Adesanya. And after beating Marvin Vittori this past weekend, he's got a lot of people talking about him. Jan Blachowicz watched the Adesanya-Vittori fight, and he came out and just had a real simple comment. He was complimenting Izzy, and he said Izzy did his homework, and this is as it pertained to the ground fighting. Now, it's the most interesting thing about Adesanya is what he's doing on the ground. Because we didn't know it. We knew he was a good kickboxer. We can look at him and see that he's got length. We see the speed. We see the setups. This grappling business is incredible because it's a lifetime of work. And Izzy did it in a very short period of time. Don't forget, Adesanya versus Vittori went to the ground four times. Two times, Izzy stood up. The other two times, Izzy reversed him. That is extremely meaningful. I can remember the first great striker who transferred over to MMA and did well, a guy named Maurice Smith. And Maurice Smith was like a world, K1 maybe, or the glory. I, I, I get the kickboxing confused, but he was the champion. Whatever was the most respected form of kickboxing, Maurice Smith was the champion. He's in a fight, gets taken down. He's taken on a jiu-jitsu black belt. In fact, he was fighting Conan, Conan Silvera. Maurice reversed him on the ground. He didn't just get out off the bottom. He reversed the position and he came out on top. And for all the viewers, that wasn't supposed to happen. Maurice himself spoke about the fight when it was done. And Maurice said, my most proud, it wasn't winning. It wasn't going out there and competing. It wasn't getting this check. My most proud part of that fight was the reversal because it shows that I'm learning and I'm understanding, but I'm also getting pretty good at it. Maurice was right it's still hard to do, right? Just because a world champion came over and did it, it's still very hard to do. When you look at Adesanya, Adesanya versus Vittori, Adesanya, right, he's getting ready to light the world on fire. First time he fights Vittori, he doesn't look that good. He looks dangerous, but he didn't look that good. We all believed that we had, right then and there, the blueprint to beat him. And Michael Bisping had retired, but he just retired. So you know how that works. Like he, he could have been talked into coming back. And Bisping kind of wanted that fight. I remember when Bisping was the commentator of this, and Bisping kind of wanted it going, hey, wait a minute, I think this guy's going to have a real bright future, but I also believe it's not now, and I know how to beat him. It was, it was one of those things. I just remember Bisping speaking about that, though, because we all thought the same thing. Get this guy down, keep him there. Deal with the buzzsaw on your feet, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, Adesanya starts to become harder to take down. Three fights later, he's in there with Brunson who was by far the best wrestler of the bunch, Brunson never got him down at all. A couple more fights go by. Adesanya's on his back against Kelvin Gatslam in an all-out war, and Adesanya throws up a triangle choke. And so you start to watch him go, this guy's getting better. Yoel Romero, 25 minutes, only gets one takedown. It's one of the reasons it was so surprising when Jan Blahovich succeeded at grounding and pounding and holding Izzy down. We really need it. So many people came away thinking you see a flaw in Izzy, but now what we're starting to see is time has gone by. No, 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 no. You saw a skill with Blahovich. Turns out Jan has more weapons than just that Polish power. 
look at the Vittori fight. When you're talking about reversals, okay, it, it's very much different. And you only have to be good in one of the three areas. Submit people from your back. Scramble up to your feet. Get sweeps. You don't have to know them all. You need one of those three. You can go to a world championship. I'm not sure Izzy doesn't have all three, and I'm not really all that clear on where he's getting this. Like, when I see him online, I know he's got the tutelage of Andre Galvao, but I also know that Andre Galvao runs his gym out of California, and Izzy lives in New Zealand. I don't know how much time they're spending together. And getting good at wrestling later in life, it's extremely difficult because you have to humble yourself. The only people who wrestle are kids. So if you want to go learn to wrestle, you now have to go with kids. If those kids know how to wrestle and you don't, you're going to get your ass kicked by children. Right? It's it's Kramer on Seinfeld. You guys remember that? You guys ever remember this episode? It was one of the great uh, great comedic moments ever. Kramer was the top student. Kramer was top of the dojo. Kramer could beat everybody. And this is what he comes back and tells Jerry and Elaine and George. And they're like, wow, you've never even done this before. And he's like, yeah, I walked in day one. I can beat everybody. So they pop down to the dojo to watch him. And Kramer's cleaning house over nine-year-olds. Right? He left that part out that he's in there. It's chill. He's got fourth graders. Right? It was just this. It was a very funny moment. But that's what you have to do. And you're not going to be Kramer. Those children, if you don't know how to rep, they're going to put a beating on you. It's one of the reasons you get some of these top fighters over time, but they had a little bit of a deficit in wrestling, and they never could bridge it. The reason they couldn't bridge it is they just couldn't humble themselves to go in there and work out with the people who happened to work out in wrestling who happened to be young. So you come in, you're the tough guy, they all want to see you, they all want your, your photograph, you know, it's all these different things. Different sport. So it's very hard to learn it later in life, which is why when I watch Adesanya, Something very special is happening here. And I would love to talk to him about this privately. I've got a couple of questions I would like to ask him. I'm very into training philosophies of the great ones. George St. Pierre has shared some of his philosophies with me. And it's different. It's not just going to work hard. Like, George has philosophies. But I would like to talk to Adesanya. And here's what I'd want to ask him. When you're doing your grappling, what does that mean to you? Because I know what it means to me. It starts with wrestling, and then it comes into submissions. Jiu-jitsu type stuff, but in that order specifically. Position first, then submission. I'm not sure that I'm right on that, and I'm not sure that's what Adesanya is doing. I would like to know, where are you learning and working the most on your grappling? Is it on the mat? Is it in the guard? Is it on top? Or is it on your feet and you're stopping and preventing getting that situation in the first place? Because what he's doing and the learning curve and the expediency that he has grown in front of our eyes, it's very remarkable. I, I mean, I coach wrestling. I wrestler, been in wrestling. I know it takes a while. It takes a very long time to just master a couple of small things. He did it pretty quick, and by the way, not at the expense of his stand-up skills. That's another mistake we'll see, right? If you start focusing on on your weaknesses. And you don't sharpen your strengths, so you bring your strengths down, right? It's, it's a real losing battle sometimes. And I'll hear people say that. Focus on my weaknesses, because if I have no weaknesses, then they become strength. It's like, in theory, that makes sense, but you also got to dance with the one that brought you. Or you'll, you'll, you'll whittle that skill down. I'd be very curious how much time and what does a grappling session look like for Adesanya? 
Let's move away from the guys who fought at UFC 263 to the headlining event that we're going to see Saturday night in Las Vegas. My official prediction, Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. I'm going Ige. Now, awesome match. I get that. These guys are going to work hard. These guys are going to hit each other. They're going to trade exchanges back and forth. Zombie did an interview. And I always take a guy at his word, right? And I understand there's promotion and there's hype and there's sportsmanship and there's a, the swerve and there's the star. I get all those things. I'm still left at what did the guy say, which is, he said, man, I pushed for a co-main event spot. I got no problem with the opponent. I didn't care who the opponent was, but I wanted a co-main event spot because I wanted to go three rounds. And you're left at why, right? And some of those answers are very obvious, but the question still has to be asked, why? What is it about five rounds? Is it too much damage? Do you not feel there's enough money? Is the training too hard? Or are you not in shape? Are you not in shape? Because if you're willing to do something, you just don't want to do it longer. Well, now you're talking about a conditioning issue. Or perhaps, Zombie didn't follow through on this thought. He just made the comment that he wanted to do three rounds, not five rounds. And he said when he didn't get his way, and this is a quote, I was a little bit sad. So I don't know if he felt disrespected by that or, hey, I was sad and that this is a harder task. I don't know, guys, but neither do you, right? We don't, know, we don't know what to make from this. Other than he's openly telling us that he's in a five-round fight and he doesn't want to be in a five-round fight. Okay, what do you do about that? And a couple of guys, it's rare, but a couple of athletes, that actually motivates and incentivizes them to get their opponent out of there. I do not want to go a long night because I can't go a long night. I'm going to bring whatever I've got. And I'm going to bring a storm. And I'm going to bring it early. I'm going to try to stop the fight. So sometimes, like, from a fan perspective, it can be more fun. This is also something that Ige is going to have to take into consideration. The opponent is openly telling you, I do not want to see round four and five. You want to get his ass to round four and five. I mean, that would, that would instantly be part of your strategy. There'd be a little bit more movement, a little bit more clinching, a little bit more footwork, a little bit longer night as part of your strategy. And it's a very interesting fight. Ige, I, first time I ever saw Ige fight, he looked so fantastic. Who did he beat? Was it Barboza? And then I read that he's ranked number 14 in the world. I'm going, that? That guy that just beat Barboza's number 14? You show me the other 13 guys. No way. Ige is a top seven guy. Any way you want to do it. And those rankings, maybe he has ranked that. Now, I don't know who's ranked what. I don't know where to find the rankings. I'm just sharing with you that Ige is fantastic, and I don't I don't feel that you need to be sold on Zombie. Zombie is nasty. He's dangerous. But above everything else, he has a word. Fun. Zombie's fun. He does fun things. He does wild things. He's a relatively pleasant guy until the referee says go. And I feel as though this entire division has gotten a major spotlight on it, a, a major focus at 145 pounds right now. I just every time I see these guys do something, I see them doing it right, and I'm seeing that that wood pile get bigger and bigger. I mean, there are so many matches that I would love to see Max Holloway in. I cannot wait till your Rodriguez gets back. I can't wait till Volkanovski and Ortega get everything settled. But the overwhelming thought is, if you look at the depth of 145 pounds, I don't think it's ever been in a in a better position. And as far as the zombies comment on the five rounds, I agree with him. Now, I lost here. This isn't the hill that I want to die on. I'm not making any kind of an argument or a push 
to get the five-round fights taken away. I do remember, though, when the five-round fights got announced, I remember thinking, this isn't going to last. This isn't going to work. The athletes aren't going to want to do it. To, to Zombie's point, why would I possibly want to go two more rounds? Why would I possibly want to do that? This is a hard contact sport, but more than anything, it's the preparation. Your preparation is very different. The miles that you're putting in every single morning preparing for five rounds as opposed to three, it's very different. And I just don't see a sport anywhere that, that's played this way. I don't care if it's the NCAA, the Olympic Games. I don't care if it's the Super Bowl. Because it's the last one of the night, it, the rules are different. What? Or because it's a championship match, we now play five quarters instead of four. It's just there's no sport that's done that way. So I, I'm surprised. I got to tell you. And I don't, I don't want to be the negative voice in the room. I just, But if I was to tell the story accurately, I did not think that this was going to happen. I found out about this. I mean, this was a meaningful thing. I was a main event fighter, right? So, I mean, this directly affected me. I got a call. Remember right where I was. Remember what I was doing. Stephen Morocco calls me up. Says, I want to get your opinion on this. I said, Stephen, first I've heard. What are you talking about? I said, no, you must have read this wrong. He's telling me, right? He's telling me not just championship fights are going to be five rounds. Now all main events, period, are going to be five rounds. I said, Stephen, you've got that wrong. There's no way. That makes no sense. There's no other sport where the last one of the night has different rules than the previous ones that same night. This is this is not done. He goes, Chael, I don't have it wrong at all. He said, there's press release. I'm staring at it right now. And I appreciate your take. You're the first person I asked. I plan to hang up with you, and I'm going to call Frankie Edgar, and I'm going to hang up there. I'm going to call Nick Diaz. You know, he, he had people he was going to call and try to get all of our opinions together. I denied it. I denied that it was true because I couldn't accept that it was. I only bring that to you because whether that was my prediction or not turned out to not come true, I haven't even heard very many fighters say what I've said. I have not heard very many pushbacks anywhere. Paulo Costa brought something up last week about being a main event fighter. I mean, the main event to me would signify a five round. Now, Zombie's saying I was pushing for a co-main because I didn't want to do the five, but these are some of the first things that I've, I've ever heard. And I'll just tell you as a viewer or, or as a fan, my night does not change. My night is not change and it is not influenced at all if they're going five rounds or they're going three rounds. If I had my preference, I would I would have it at three. Right? I mean, if I had to choose between one of the two, we're all going to be the same. So are we either three or are we, or are we five? I go, no, please, three. I don't need to see two guys out there for five rounds. Just don't need to see it. Every blue moon a fight comes along. It's like, wow, that was awesome. Wish we had a six round, right? I mean, that kind of stuff. But you could count that on one hand. Go out there, use the energy you have. Don't do what boxing did. Boxing is not a dull sport. It's just dull to watch the sport of boxing, but those guys are out there for 12 rounds. The human body is not made to do that. Short it up a little bit. Get them in, get them out. Conflict, conflict resolution. Tell the story, bring in the next. That's how I like it. been a while since old Uncle Chael has told you guys some stories, so before we head out for the weekend, I want to talk to you about T-ball and black belts. My son played his first season of T-ball this year, and the skill building, I mean, these coaches, they did such a fantastic job. They took these kids that did not know anything about the game. I mean, it's not just hitting a ball, by the way. 
which way do I run when I hit it? What are the rules to this game? How do I throw it and how do I catch it? How do I catch something in the air? How do I pick up a grounded ball? I mean, there's a lot to baseball, and the skill building of these kids has been very obvious. Coaches did a great job. As we come to the end of the season, though, right, and I'm doing stuff as a dad that I've swore I wouldn't do. I've always sworn I am the chauffeur. I will get my child to and from practice. The coach will be the coach. But I find myself bringing up the practice, or I find myself bringing up the game, or the way that the ball was hit, or what kind of focus and attention was paid. Very light, but still more than I thought that I would do. My son's plan, and the coaches move him to every position. You'll be first base, you'll be pitcher, you'll be catcher, you'll be outfield. He just, he just keeps moving the kids, right? There's not like a first baseman, and here's our second baseman. It's skill building. He, everybody gets to play everything. Figure out down the road. Two, three years from now, you can start to identify and lock in on one position. I played t-ball. Can you guys relate? Was that game around in your neighborhoods? Did you get to play? Because it was so much fun. What a great game. But I was the pitcher. The pitcher in t-ball, because the ball sits on a tee, it's, it, it's not the same as a pitcher. Okay, The pitcher in t-ball is not the same as a pitcher. It's the pitcher, comma, in T-ball. So I played T-ball for seven seasons. Played it from like four years old on up to 11. All of a sudden, I qualify for baseball. So my first day, I'm walking out there. I think I'm going to do T-ball. Turns out there's no T's and it's baseball. Whatever. Got my glove. Where's my hat? Coach says, what position do you play? I was introducing myself to him. This is the first time I had met the coach, and he had something known as a clipboard and a pen. And he writes next to my name, Chael Sonner, what I told him, which is, I've been pitching for seven years. That doesn't come to bite me in the ass, because I'm not the pitcher anyway. I was just sharing that I could. I've done it for seven years. Well, somewhere along the way of the season, our pitcher can't play. Something happens, can't play. Coach goes to that clipboard, finds out who a pitcher is, sees Chael Sonner's been doing it for seven years, and puts me in. I have never even in practice thrown a ball to a catcher in a bent down position with a face mask and somebody in between known as a batter. It's never happened. I've seen it done, but I've never actually thrown it. So I throw that ball for the very first time. And you guys know that it's called like the backstop. It's a metal mesh cage. I throw the ball. Oh, it goes over the backstop. And that's where the parents were sitting. So the parents had to like move out of the way as this, this meteorite comes landing in and that just made for a really long day. It just made for a very long day of everybody watching Chael trying to throw the ball. All I gotta do is all I gotta do is play catch. Get the ball from here to that glove that the pitcher is holding. I played catch every day. I could not play catch with a batter in between, people watching, and the guy in a squatted down position. There was just something about it. Yet all these years later, I can't understand that my child doesn't just automatically know the games of baseball, right? It's one of those things, and you guys are guilty too, but you got to remind yourself. You've got to remind yourself, and that's not the only time that I misrepresented my abilities, by the way. I was in Utah, and I was training under Mark Schultz, Olympic champion, fought in the UFC. I trust many of you will know who Mark Schultz is. But Mark Schultz was a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he used to work out with Pedro Sauer, and he used to work out with Walt Bayless, two very legitimate black belts, two of the best in the world. And they were very close workouts. You wouldn't know who was better between those three guys. Neither Walt or Pedro Sauer gave Mark his black belt. Mark went down to something called Mervyn's. It was a department store at the time. Myron Frank and Mervyn's used to kind of be side by side. I think Mervyn's is out of business, but he went to Mervyn's, and he bought a black belt. 
And he started wearing it. And if he entered events or he put out DVDs or he did any kind of media, he would represent himself as a black belt. And he's the one that explained to me that if, if I'm tough enough to wear it and I'm willing to go compete with other black belts, that I'm a black belt. Great. Me too. So I go back to Oregon and there's a gym down in Eugene and I'm wrestling for the Ducks in Eugene going to school there, but I was going, I, I, I had my own fantasies of a martial arts gym, so I was going and getting kickboxing workouts at this gym, but they had a grappling team, and the grapplers that were the head instructors in that gym were purple belts, but there was a time when black belt, there weren't enough black belts, there weren't even enough brown belts. If you were a purple belt, you could have your own jujitsu team, and people would come to you, because no one else had a purple belt. Ryan Kelly was this guy, and he was running, he, he was running the, the class in there, and I had told Ryan's friend, uh, that I'm a black belt. You guys ever want to work out? I'm happy to work with you. Matter of fact, I have a black belt. So the guy, the Fred, does go tell Ryan that. And Ryan finds me on my way out. I was doing a Muay Thai class. Finds me on my way out. I says, hey, I hear you got a black belt. I said, yeah, I do. And he says, uh, well, let's work out. So he ties me in all sorts of positions, right? I didn't know the difference, though. I never worked out with a belt guy. I worked out in the room, and I watched Schultz work out, and he had this one conversation with me where he told me, if you're tough enough to wear it, then you own it. I never represented myself as a black belt again. I realized that I was not, but I feel that my, my point is the same. You know, there, there is something to be said for the confidence. But I've told you guys a, a million times, as much as the guy who wanted to write a book and sell it on Amazon tries to convince you that this is mental and it's whatever you think up here, you believe it, you can achieve it. I'm here to tell you it's physical. I was tougher than either one of those guys. I, now I am a black belt. I would be tying them in knots. This isn't about them. They were perfectly nice guys. I came in, a fake black belt, misrepresented myself. They, in the nicest way you could do it, showed me that I wasn't. I only bring to you, it's not always what you think, okay? <laughs> it's not always what you think. I know a lot of coaches love to say that. This is 80% mental. I, I know that. But I was convinced I had a black belt. I believed that. Physically... It was a little closer to white. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening and for continuing to spread the word about this program. Thank you for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts like our friend Hagel, who says, great podcast. Well, thanks, Hagel. And thanks to all of you. Enjoy the weekend in combat sports. I will be back on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.